Welcome to the Financial Coconut Podcast Network, the leading personal finance podcast network in Singapore. I'm your host, Reggie, aka Your Chief Financial Coconut, and every Monday, you will be joining me, Eric Fung, and SG Budget Big Dawn on our weekly segment, Wise and Shine, where we leverage on the latest quirky happenings out there on the internet to answer many of your burning social and personal development questions. Yes, we all sick and tired of talking about money, so welcome back to Wise and Shine. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I wouldn't go out to somebody who, who I see smokes and then say, hey, you got addiction, come follow me. See me exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, like that, I think everybody will run away from me. Let's not do that. <laughs> We have established a, a a good baseline that you know addiction really just means that you you got into a position where you can no longer control, where you can no longer yeah. where you can no longer do that right and and I and I wanted to talk a little bit more about like how coping in itself is just the highest level of the problem right or the yeah. highest level of the manifestation that this is just a mechanics but what is more important is to understand what is underneath yeah. right like when do you get into a position when you cope right when like when the problem gets wow, right? When you where you cannot readily solve the problem. So so generally everyone copes, right, in that sense. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's just not so about not to the it, level of like being addicted. Nah. So in, in coping, right, then you know, like when do you kind of draw the line between so for example, right? Like with McFlurry, is it? Like do you nice. kind of like just cold turkey, like bam, I can never have a McFlurry again? Or is it kind of like something that can be managed, right? Because you see, this is where it gets complicated between addictions. Mm. Like this is where I feel as if different addictions should be treated differently. Mm. You know, because like mm. um going yes. back to that, or like even okay, going back to my example with uh, with cigarettes and smoking, right? Yeah. Then if I go and get a prescription for nicotine gum, right? I'm feeding a problem again. Right? Mm. You know, then, but at the same time, it's a way for me to kind of go, yeah. like, how, how do I kind of cut? Like, you know, that, that's the... Well, this one's a... Let me try to... I don't know whether this is the right answer, yeah. but I'll give it a go. Um, just now earlier, you talked about the psychological dependence aspect of things. And then there's the physical dependence of things. Right. So, so if you want to talk about nicotine, there's a... We know that there's a physical dependence on that. And well, the body will crave it. The brain will crave it. And... To, to live in craving is as good as suffering. <laughs> so yeah. so how, how long can you suffer before you give in? So I think there's that component where the, the patch or the gum helps with, with you staying away from the cigarette. Um, that said, by you turning to the gum or the patch, I do feel that a lot of other things you have, you have disrupted. For example, the rituals of lighting up, uh, the, the, the place that you do it, is it, couple with your coffee or is it something that you have with your drink um, do you do it with your friends or maybe mahjong session all this has 
has been kind of uh, untangled. <laughs> Mahjong has a whole package in itself. Right? So, so I, and I guess that, that, that's also like a very key part of this disrupting that, that yes. cycle, right? And that can be applied to all the, uh, the other addictions as well where yeah. just, you just need to disrupt the... Yeah. Right. And, and so whether somebody is adopting a set a social lens to it, like, oh, right. this is a social activity and he's addicted to a social activity or is this something which is a cigarette or are they mutually exclusive or are they more intertwined? This is something for somebody to to be honest, only they know the answer to it mm-hmm. and, and for them to continue to test it. So I, I, I think in terms of approach, I, I wouldn't say that there's the best approach, but I, I learn a lot from individuals who are in recovery because especially those who are much later in their life because I believe that they have life experience, they have addiction experience, they have recovery from addiction experience. So they're really an encyclopedia for me. And the thing that I took away from them is that... Um, can see it in terms of different phases. So the first phase is stopping. Can I even stop? And for some people, they're really stuck in the cycle and they can't stop. So perhaps maybe that's a good entry point. Uh, maybe it's not a lifelong sobriety that they're looking for, uh, but can they even try one month, three months, six months, one year? Let's see. <laughs> because you say no problem, what? then Do no problem, you can try, you can try to stop. Is there an ideal time frame for this detox and abstinence? There, there are some recommended guidelines, but from a clinical uh, perspective, from, from my own clinical perspective, I feel that uh, I can prescribe a certain time, but whether somebody wants to follow through, you will not know. And the last thing that I want is them to give me an answer to make me feel happy yeah, as yeah. a clinician. Yola, Yola, Yola. <laughs> then, then, so then, then when do, at what point does it become appropriate to actually give, to, to medicate it? Uh, is, it is it like, I mean, you're treating the, the psychological part then you know yeah. um maybe i'll try to address that later but um first i'll talk about the stopping first right yeah. so the stopping is just to see what what reactions will pop out mm. yeah whether is it psychological in nature is it depression is it anxiety or is it physical withdrawal shakings and depending on what substance the person is using so that's to to, to have an inroad to see how what kind of reactions will come out then stopping is one phase staying stop is a different phase altogether yeah, yeah. <laughs> because somebody yeah. who really wants to stop I know how to lock myself in a room I uh, just detox myself just ask people to provide me my meals make yeah, sure that under, I don't <laughs> or maybe check in the hospital and yeah. they, they have all these measures in place to stop for me so stopping is one thing but staying stop is a whole different process and I feel that that is when we start to see wow, what continues to linger uh, is the person turning suicidal? Is somebody experiencing psychosis? Uh, are they falling into deep depression and they can't can't they can't start their engine to 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 try to live life on life terms? You know, and so this is where uh, medication might step in, more support, not only medical support but social support, family support, uh, professional support can help somebody with that. Uh, helping them through this staying stop phase, and and I, I think as I mentioned earlier, the, the the addiction, the addictive substance or the behavior is just the top layer. So staying stop allows somebody to say, okay, now you don't have the top layer. What's actually underneath? Is it dealing with stress? Is it dealing with anger? Is it dealing with emotions that I don't like? Is it dealing with trauma? Don't know. Uh, is it dealing with boredom, loneliness? Bored, Who knows? Boredom's a, it's a- yeah. 
and we are in an increasingly um, stimulating society and world with technological advances as as we speak. So, yeah. so so our our brain is we do not know the full capacity of our brain, but now we are actually taking a pause and see how the brain is reacting. Uh, and what happens is staying stop, you start to be more aware of what is the real struggles behind that, and that's the second phase. Uh, and the third phase. Hopefully what will come out is not only do I learn how to uh, deconstruct some hardwired ways of dealing with things, uh, but I also have the ability to give myself more pathways on to how- To rewire I'm, new habits. Mm, uh, to deal life on life terms with other ways. I think that for, for certain kinds of addictions, right? Like having more alternatives outside of just stopping, right? Makes mm. a lot of sense to me. Mm. Right, we've already seen that with kind of like casinos and how like you know they they have come they've come to some sort of uneasy balance, right? You know, mm. just don't have it in the country at all. Mm. You know, basically you, you don't want to encourage a gambling problem, right? Mm. Same thing with kind of cigarettes, such a problem, just make it make the whole damn thing illegal. Mm. But you know what happens when it happens? Black market. Yeah, correct. Right? So then they we are seeing the same problems with things like like vapes. Mm. And 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 it, it, it's an issue for me, like, because like, you know, like as someone who's trying to quit. I have no option. Like, you know, if I, if I don't, if I can't quit in the next kind of like two to three years or whatever, it's risk getting lung cancer or buying black market stuff to try and kind of like harm, to mm -hmm. kind of like reduce my risk. Mm -hmm. So this is where I was like coming from the harm reduction question. Like, yeah. Is it possible to manage addictions? I feel a little bit caught up with having difficulty because there's this part where you're talking about the stimuli, which is the cigarette uh, or, or other substances. And then there's this other part, which is addiction. So um, I, I like to try to untangle both um, because I, I don't think anybody who smokes is addicted because oh, I know that right. there are people who are recreational smokers, social smokers, and, or even they, are, they, are, they might become, um, uh, they use it regularly, but it might not have what we see more of appetitive, a disease of not not enough, more right. and more and more. Um, so I wouldn't go out to somebody who, who I see smokes and then say, hey, you got addiction, come follow me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 like that, that, I think everybody will run away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I, I think it's more along the lines of if let's say we can understand that there are some substances, there are some behaviors or some activities which have a very high addictive potential. Right. And when I describe about addiction, addictive potential is because it definitely can it has that function, Dude. that function to give a spike in the brain, the dopamine levels, boom, go up. And, and whether it is following crypto or having a game and yeah. loot boxes in the games or, or, and these are things that we don't really talk well, much loot about. Loot boxes, man. That's a yeah. total can of worms, but yes. Yeah. And so if, if we see in that format, then we can understand how potentially dangerous these substances are. Does it mean that anybody who touch get hooked? That is a very preventative, safe uh, message that we can give to the younger ones. Hey, don't touch. Uh, you cannot hook, you cannot let go. So that's one approach. Not talking about policies, but in this part of the world, uh, Singapore at least, uh, we, we are trying to focus on trying to safeguard and protect the young because their brain is still very suggestible, very malleable, and we don't want them to be exposed to quickly. Yeah, you, you, you initiation of a lot of these things is actually mm. a big problem, a mm. risk. Yeah. yeah, but in terms of the management-wise, whether in the interventions in professional settings, um, I know of individuals who, uh, for example, they use hard drugs. Uh, 
And because the withdrawals is such a difficult experience mm. for them to the point that the word traumatic experience is used. Cold turkey is not fun for somebody who is on hard drugs mm. and is trying to wean off it. And so because it's so traumatic, they they, they relapse. They, they relapse. Like, no choice. Yeah. They, they have to go back and use what to help them feel a sense of normalcy, a sense of okayness. Yeah. Um, in that sense, definitely I do feel that there's a role for medication to help somebody, maybe not necessarily to substitute like a nicotine mm. patch, what it does for cigarettes, but maybe with the withdrawal management, mm. whether it's the diarrhea that comes or the, or the mm. sleeplessness yeah. and whatnot. So that can help somebody through that difficult phase. So by managing the withdrawal symptoms, it's then easier for them to stop and stay stuck. Mm. Or it encourages the, the, the notion to them that it can be done. Mm. Uh, because otherwise on its own without medication, it might be too painful for yes. the individual yeah. to even want to go through it. Mm. No, but even, I mean, and that's the whole carrot and stick kind of situation, right? Mm. Like certain things you're going to do, it's going to be very painful. You know, and to reduce the pain, there's no easy way to reduce the pain, right? So you try to incentivize yourself in a different way, trick your mind into into doing it, mm. right? So so that that's the baseline of what a lot of management books try to teach you, right? You want your guys to do this path, and you know it's very difficult. There is no way around this path, so you use other ways to motivate them, right? To get them down the path. It's it's, it's a it's a controversial uh, right. uh discussion now because like depending on who you're speaking to, it's uh it's, it's either a black or white thing. Or there's some room for grey mm. uh, No, but that, that's the whole policy. Yeah. But I mean, if you if you talk to someone like you know, like uh, most people here in Singapore, at least like you know, if you encounter someone's a heroin addict, mm-hmm. you just you know better quit or quit or die. Mm-hmm. No, but I get where you're com- coming from, though. If I could share, right? I mean, I am really quite addicted to chocolate. I need it every day. Um, but it was a problem, so it went from having benefits to negative benefits when I saw my weight ballooning. And then my skin was breaking out. So now it was very negative. Um, I tried to stop, but I couldn't. And I think like me telling myself to stop was making it worse because it's like I crave the forbidden food, you know? Then what happened was in the end, I just kept trying to adjust. So I tried to fade out method, um, help a little bit, but I still needed my daily chocolate. At mm. least it wasn't like a whole bar about down to like bite-sized pieces. But one thing that I found helped, which you say when you talk about symptoms, right? One of my withdrawal symptoms was my taste buds just crave for the taste. So something that I tried was since the problem wasn't the chocolate per se, but the sugar in it, the calories and all that weight, um, I came across this thing called chocolate tea bags. Oh, I've seen those. Yeah, yeah. and actually yeah. They're, they're more pricey than normal chocolate. Yeah, yeah. But since I'm trying to solve the problem and, and not yeah. have to stop entirely, right? It's broken like a true chocolate addict. <laughs> I should myself, okay? <laughs> but yeah, so I actually tried that and it helped. It helped me to manage because I crave that chocolate. I would drink that chocolate tea. It's zero calories, mm. but it helped to reduce that withdrawal. And then I was able to stop. But mm. then after that, then got comfortable. La. Then my weight went down. Like, okay, I start again. And then I relapsed. <laughs> relapsed. Right. Yeah. But I, I think it makes total sense though. Yeah. And ultimately, where is the end point? I, I think I like to see recovery because that now we talk about the flip side of the thing is that Addiction is where the person maybe has started and came forward to want to make the decision to make a change or seek help for it. And the ideal thing is stop lah. Stop then all your problems are solved. But you stop, you got a different set of stopping problems that mm. pop out. And so I, I, I like to think of recovery as it's so much more. It's not what you stop or what you, oh. you, you give up, but actually what you take up. And and so there's two ah. folds to it because if I only focus about, oh, my whole life is geared, uh, strategizing how to stop. 
what kind of life is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's quite a, a mundane life. Mm-hmm. But if I start to uh, look forward and start to build things, like oh, the trust that I get, the relationships that I get back, my functioning, my productivity, and my creativity mm-hmm. can be channeled in a different way. Once it booms, then you grow something so nicely, why would you want to go back to something that takes it away? Yeah. And wow. so the focus just switches. switches so it's um, really a whole mindset shift. Instead of focusing on what you have lost or what you are no longer having, mm-hmm. you focus on what are you adding and getting more of by giving mm-hmm. up this yeah. one thing. But I think we also need to add that it's not a simple shift. Yeah, yes, right. like exactly. a lot of people use my session, just change. But my session are not simple. The thing yeah. that really would help also is how society actually perceives addiction also. Hmm. It's I mean like I, I don't think I'm overstating this, uh, but like, you know, you just Singaporeans in general, right? Like when you talk about someone who has an addiction, right? It's like quit or die. Uh. Hmm. You know, that is the mindset here. Like, you know, like so when you start kind of like looking at it from like a, a multivariate point of view where, you know, you're talking about things like you know, using medication to treat the addiction, harm reduction, or like, you know, like looking at it as a as a long drawn out process, right? No, people can't understand it. Hmm. That's what we talk about it, right? Yeah. Let me share with you yeah. my personal experience, right? So yeah. for my my dad has a gambling problem, right? And it's not just him, like, I think it runs yeah. quite deep in the family, right? Like, a lot of people have it and I think habits do pick up over the generations, right? So those things are real, right? We don't go there, but for a long time, I judged him. Right, I was like, like you are causing a lot of problems, you know, blah 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 blah. Until I started realizing that I am also doing the whole addiction thing, but just on sugar, right? So I am using a different way to cope with the complex problem that I'm struggling yes. with. Mm. So when I start to realize that, right, that then I'm like, so who am I to then judge that his method or her method is inferior to mine? Mm. When no. actually mm. both of us. We're just trying to do something that we are familiar with to cope with the complex situation. Right? The and, only and difference is that one is being labeled by society yeah. and the government mm. as negative, whereas yours isn't really so, an yeah. and, and to be fair, oh, oh, I, and yeah. to be fair, I think just now we did talk about the long-term negative impact. Yeah. Right? So structurally, certain things do have longer-term mm. negative impact as mm. compared to like maybe eating, not that eating sugar don't have, but you okay. know, we're talking Definitely about- is a public health. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 it affects more than just the person. Exactly. So it's about morality. It's about where you measure these things, right? What is considered good and bad, right? But but the idea here is certain things have bigger impact than other things, right? But what I am pushing is to realize that it's all the same in a sense that they are all just trying to do something, right? And that something is to cope with the complex situation today that you don't have an easy solution to solve and by inputting that into people's mind, then you start realizing, hey, actually, actually, yeah. you know what you guys say just made me realize something. Mark, you were talking about how like, you know, some are just, how it's being viewed by society as negative. I just start to, started to realize the ones that are being viewed as negative, harmful addiction are all those that have a damage on beyond the person themselves. So alcoholism, it damages property, it damages people when you get into fights. Smoking, public health, uh, second exactly. degree cancer, um, and then what else? Um, drugs, right? And mm. then you go in, you get abusive, you lash out at people. So actually, I think the gambling, uh, gambling, gambling right? also, yeah. and then your family, cr- uh, you know, Correct. because of financial debts and all, it all collapses. Correct. So it's only those that really have more than the individual that then starts to get legalized right. and hence right. get perceived negatively. But we're not at that stage yet with social media or sugar 
addictions or chocolate addictions. Well, because video gaming not, is definitely uh, getting a lot of... Loot boxing uh, is kind of... Yeah. yeah. Because of actually, they all fall under the gaming industry. Yeah. And mm-hmm. whether it's casino, gambling, or gaming... They're all tricking the same <laughs> mechanics. Yeah. I mean, consumerism thing. is the same as but well. But do they have that much spillover effect? Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Oh my god, wait, let me just talk about the consumerism thing, okay? Retail therapy is not therapy. <laughs> Once and for all, put it out there. Retail it's, it's is what, retail. And then you always buy, buy not pay later kind of like things, right? Yeah, you can, yeah, you yeah. can really like just like... like Retail and, therapy is yeah. just a coping mechanism. Exactly. So it's not therapy. Please don't anyhow no, use but, the word okay, anymore. But, it doesn't heal you. But it also could be that uh, some of these things are just fairly new, right? Mm. Um, I've always felt that if alcohol was a recent... In, uh, discovery there is no chance in hell that it's legal mm. it's just that the cat has been let out of the bag already so they just can't they can't they can't put it back in oh. you know like, you have a, like over time it showed that it had this few over effect that's why they like, have you know, like, so like when you, when you <laughs> but then doesn't agree <laughs> but then how about cannabis though yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cannabis, yeah. I would argue cannabis has a longer history than alcohol whether it's documented or not because that thing is a natural growing shit yeah. okay. there's no complex yeah. process in developing so it. I think it's not so True. much good point uh, and and yeah. again I wouldn't want to go walk down Kaki yeah. and hey come you can see me yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> everybody so it's it's to each or to their own and yeah. ultimately they only only they themselves understand because mm. I, I know of individuals who because I st- like to keep track of how people are doing even though after they have um, come out of therapy with me uh, just to find out how they're doing in life and a lot of times they would share with me about back then uh, they share a little bit about how what was some of their struggles but they never really felt comfortable telling anyone and a lot of times they would say that Sandor, you don't know me. I, I, I know that I shouldn't be taking. I know that I will disappoint people. I know that I, I, I will beat myself up after it, but I cannot stop myself. So that's when uh, I know we've been talking about addiction and I really appreciate how we want to have a more normal view towards addiction so that people can start asking them, them, themselves the question. But also, we, I want to give addiction the due respect that mm. it has because uh, it's not something to be um, joked around with it's because sure. once you reach yeah. that level, uh, the ability, the the, it's really a battle between the person and their brain, mm. and hence the way that I like to see recovery is the person's own choice and responsibility to take ownership and learn how to deal with their brain. This doesn't happen overnight. Mm. This happens whether is I learn how to stop first, how to stay stop learning how to practice new things to how to deal with life and ultimately it's not like oh because I'm your therapist I'm putting a gun to your head and say you shouldn't smoke huh? or you shouldn't take drugs or you shouldn't gamble it's ultimately what I hope is that maybe I, that's my role in the beginning but I'll, and, and you needed me because how are you going to fight your own brain <laughs> your brain is your motherboard <laughs> uh, in, in some ways you're going about uh, your addiction in a zombie-like state um, so I needed to step in and be that 
that, that safeguard for you. But ultimately, I wouldn't want to do this for the rest of my life. And ultimately, I don't think it's fair because I would rather empower you. Mm. And so the, the focus shifts on how the person puts the gun to their head, own head to monitor how they are managing that brain. Mm. So recovery uh, never ends, uh, essentially. Uh, that's like, what's an addict? Always an addict kind of thing? Well, no. I, definitely. Def- I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I feel that we know enough from neuroscience that even though the brain is hardwired and by not using those uh, not engaging in such activities or not using those brain circuitry, basically it, it will dwindle down. Mm. But the fact of the matter is that the foundations has been built already. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it's my case, right? Right. Yeah. It's like I know that like, I am addicted to this thing. Yeah. Right. But I will never say uh, by objective standards today that I'm addicted to it. Mm. It's just a mechanics that I'm very familiar with. Yes. And I know that it will solve my short-term you know it's like a life hack yeah it's like a life hack so I have no qualms with it I don't judge myself for like eating that McFlurry you know I'll just take it but I know it's a signal something's happening you gotta do something about it so it's it's really about working with yourself such that you do not get to the level and I I think most of our listeners will not be structurally considered an addict (laughs) natural pointing you know but it it is true I think I'm the the one with like uh, some some addictions no but but but, but many people will have addictive behaviours or like very intense coping behaviours that that actually the idea here is to realise that you know it's about recognising that they exist and try to realise it is telling you something belief you know that if you can solve that permanently, you're done. And one of the one of the things that I did was to shift out. Because that was a big problem that was causing me to do all these other coping mechanisms. Once I shifted myself out of the home. You were eating less there, McFlurries. I don't need I suddenly don't need any of that. Yeah, so you like, solve the underlying problem. Exactly. And that is the part that is important. Not about whether public policy coming or not, you know, but you realizing that it is this is just coping. There is an underlying problem. And if you can solve the underlying problem, the problem at the top does not exist anymore. But this is self-awareness. Like, I have yeah. a very important question. It's not your name. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like, especially with addictions which have not yet gone into that sphere of being legalized or banned outrightly and classified as being bad. Like as parents, we mm. have to raise kids. And these kids nowadays are all being, you know, yeah. they're literally being given and showing social media right in front of them all these tools that are literally designed to make them hooked to make them addicted mm. but the technology and policy no policy has not yet caught up with technology and mm. application so how can parents who especially are not trained psychologists what can we do to help our children manage this especially since they don't have that self-awareness yet they don't have that brain developing it they're, they're still young teenagers and all what can mm. we do follow China <laughs> China limit gaming hours. Yeah. Right? If you if you are concer- if you are a concerned parent, then yeah, if, if this is such a problem, then China limit gaming no, hours, but, but and then you say, oh, it's a freedom of rights, uh, well, well, how can you uh, limit my choice? But it is essentially the government that's coming now to say that, okay, this is a problem. Uh, I think we all realize uh, okay, so may or hmm. Right? And then we let the kid develop, right? But anyway, I'll let the psychologist say. I, I do believe that the safeguards do help. Um, but also we know that it becomes the forbidden fruit, right? And yeah, being exactly. being humans, we are we like to outsmart the system. Yeah, the more the mom and dad say no gaming, yeah. uh, the more the kid finds a way. Yeah, I will log into my, my neighbor's Wi-Fi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
how can parents manage that without making it worse and fueling that addiction until it really goes well, over? I, I think it's the first thing is to, is to shatter their dreams from the, from the start first. Just tell them, no, that number one, you're never ever going to be a professional gamer. Right? This is probably a one in a million kind <laughs> of thing. They'll prove you wrong. Yeah, maybe they really will become They'll prove you wrong. That would be quite cool, right? To be a kid in 20 years That's also the pipe dream that, see, the thing about esports is this, right? It is just like any other professional sport. The people you see on stage, right? They're like one in a million, you know. It's like you know, like it's being true. Like, it's like being an NBA star, you know. It, right. it just it just allows you. Okay, it's off topic, but it just makes you think it's achievable because it's very accessible. Like yeah. you don't need to be six foot five and you know muscular to kind of do it, yeah. but you still need to be really talented. Anyway, huh? yeah, <laughs> but I think the young mind, from a developmental psychology yeah. point of view, the young mind at that stage, there's there's I is it's all a fantasy, right? It's yeah. all imagination. They it's illusion of control. It and say I am that one yeah. I am the yeah. NBA superstar yeah. what are you talking about <laughs> the future is not yet and, and you say yeah, you, you want to prove true. me then you have to give me 20 years to show you ma. Uh, uh, so so well, then, <laughs> if, if they really become like some esports star like I die I was like let me show that. you 20 years ago what your dad's <laughs> <laughs> so I knew all along that you had the potential that's Rubbish. why I got <laughs> So rather than yeah. outrightly banning and making them create a bit more, what can parents do to help? I, I feel like let's say if we we switch back the tone back to addiction, right? What I notice, uh, and I think this has enough research behind it, is that it's also seen as a condition of isolation, secrecy, and disconnection. So so if I, I understand that that's what addiction feeds on, because Maybe drinking was with friends in the beginning and then it became in the pubs and then it became in house party and then it became in my room and then being becoming alone. Or even if I did it, there's this part which I'm not telling people. So so th- there's a lot of secrecy behind. So sometimes the carry and, carry and stick method works, but it also might drive into that more secrecy and that's even harder to draw out, right? Mm. So... If let's say I, I don't know the exact answer to it, but I like to think, okay, la, if this is very good in one end, let's see what's the other end like. And then we try to find the balance. So I think um, it's really trying to find connections, uh, finding what, understanding what is the motives, what's the functions to it. Remember, if if alcohol was doing so so much crap for me in the beginning, why would I want to pursue uh, a long a lifetime with it? <laughs> Um, I, I wouldn't want to. So understanding what's the, the 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 reasons behind, what's the motivations behind? Could it be because I needed more stimulation? I needed more thrill. Couldn't deal with boredom. I feel lonely. Uh, I, I was uh, being bullied at school or whatever. I don't know. Uh, or, or peer pressure. I don't know. So um, understanding from that point, because what we know is that uh, the brain, we are only scratching the surface of what we understand from the brain. And, and and I don't know how long it will take before we fully understand the brain. But what we know is that um, the technology is feeding our brain at a much faster rate than what we have been evolutionary up to now where we are at with our brain. So um, am I anti-technology? No, I'm not. But I'm just thinking like um, for somebody who is a young person, uh, how can I get to understand why they're engaging it? Are they mm. spending too much time? Is their relationship with their phone more than me as mm. a parent? Likely so. <laughs> um, yeah. And could we balance that out a bit yeah. more? Because I'm not saying take away the phone because they'll definitely find a way to find the phone. <laughs> and then now they hate you more. Ah, right? Yeah. And then the thing becomes more complicated. Harder to build a relationship with you such yes. that you take their attention instead of the phone. I, I, I think to me, it's yeah. always been 
isn't okay. I think at a very young age, I mean, I'm sure you understand this when your kid sees the, the screens, right? They get really transfixed, yeah, right? But I think what is more troubling for me going forward actually is the kind of content that, yeah, it's just the, the stuff that's out there now is wow, you know, it's like really like I, 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 I feel as if like, um, not that this didn't exist when I was growing up, it's just it's a lot more yeah. accessible, accessible, you know, it's just, accessible. It's just crazy. And, so, and also, I think the fact that, um, because yeah. we do not, we, I mean, last time what break password? Now any two year old can can crack your your yeah. iPhone password already. So, is the technology? The brain has an appetite. Yeah. Uh, and and obviously we are we are programmed for novelty, uh, for stimulation. Uh, and and there's law of diminishing returns, right? If I see the same video too much, I was give me something new, right? So 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 if. Te- if the stimuli that the person is engaging uh, allows for that, then we do not know what is the end of it. And and, and then it's harder to control it and taper it back <laughs> because wow. the brain has that, that appetite. Would you say like teaching kids and helping them to become like calmer or putting in moments of meditation, some doing calm activities together would help because a lot of the young kids, especially their brains, like you said, feed on these stimuli. That's why Coco Melon is so popular, yeah. right? <laughs> so... As parents, oh, would that would that help? Like if we help them to be a bit more calmer, so then they you know, might hopefully advice. become more sensitive hmm. to that stimuli instead of becoming desensitized and keep craving more and more to meet the same high. Uh, I got advice for all parents. Go out with your kids without your phones. Hmm. Can you start with that? Because that is what I did. I mean, I don't have parents, but when I go, well, I, don't, I don't have kids, but when I go out, of I, I do that then, I do you know be, the, the the dog electroshock collar no la, you know but more like more like I, I will go I will go out you know and without my phones like no electronics and then you start to look at you you still you will find stimulus but not in that on that screen you will start to find stimulus on that bird chirping you know that that thing crossing the road or the, you will you will find stim, it's inherent in the mind to find what stimulates you, right? It's just now not confined within the screen, mm-hmm. right? And and I think for parents, you know, an easy hack, just go out with your kids without your phones. Would right? that help? Uh, I, I do feel that, I, I mean, only in recent times then, then we had the, the technological advances mm. and high-speed internets and whatnot. Um, so I, I do agree with that. But say, I w- say, psychologists <laughs> agree. Like, I approved, uh, approved by psychologists. <laughs> I also like to think of it as when you mentioned about te- whether there can be some meditative practices to do with kids. I can just imagine a kid like, what's this? I cannot sit still. I'm ADHD. <laughs> but meditative stuff can yeah. be um, like, like what you say, maybe you go to the garden and kick mm. the ball. Yeah, it could be. That's yeah, lovely. Not, not down there, I must say. But like sticking the stimuli from other stuff rather than through the screen. Mm, yeah, I think that definitely works because we know that when somebody is fully immersed in the moment, then they are very mindful about what they are hearing, what they are seeing, what they are mm. tasting. So I think that's great. Um, perhaps maybe, I don't know whether this answers your question, but I do feel that the, the kid is still growing. They have no, emotional regulation is still in development yeah and so we know that um we are social beings and the people closest to them their caregivers their parents can co-regulate them Mm. so that means that it's not necessarily that you sit down with me let's do meditation namaste but (laughs) but, I love how namaste is a joke (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably be short as a character but more along the lines of how you can think of it as 
how am I dealing with my emotions as a parent when I'm interacting with my child mm. who is flustered, who is unsettled. Mm. And I have the ability to model that. I have the ability to co-regulate them so that they have they have they can start to have a relationship with their emotions because underlying it, even though I, I it seems like I've stigmatized the brain, um, I like to think of it as the brain is our greatest tool. Um uh, that separates us from the rest of the animals. It's not because we have superhuman, I mean, we have supernatural strength or whatnot. It's because we have a supernatural brain. And the part that addiction usually uh, hijacks is the same part of the brain that is common throughout all the animal species, which is what we call the ancient brain, the primitive brain. Some people say reptilian brain, which is really about rewards, motivation, memory, and survival. Uh, and what we know is closely linked to that is emotional regulation. That part of the brain helps with emotional regulation. And then the part which makes us that we lose the ability to make informed decisions because addiction has taken place is the prefrontal cortex, which is the big part of the brain, the one that really separates us from the rest of the animals. So um, the brain is there to serve a purpose to help us deal with difficult moments. So it's our greatest tool set, but like our greatest strengths, our greatest strengths are also our greatest weaknesses. So when we trust our brain too much, we don't question it, we don't audit it, we allow it to run, do its thing and we give you entire trust. And, and that's where we, we lose control of it and the brain just takes over the driving view. So instead of just visualize, uh, just stimulating the brain and visual through the screen, then going outdoors, for example, and stimulating the other centers mm. that would help to make us yes. more attuned to what our body is feeling versus yes. just going with what the brain is. Yeah, exactly. So that's another way to to, to uh, have a more hu human um, uh, human being, right? It's about being in all senses, all aspects. This, yeah. this reptilian brain thing I've actually read, but maybe after, after this podcast, Leon, it's actually really interesting. Brian. So yeah. elevated. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, great. Yeah, right. I think... I think we went on quite a whole thing, you know, which is good. You know, I, I think it's, it's an important thing. So let's close with one last question. Okay? So um, the last question that I would love for everybody to answer is like, so we realize that this whole thing is a coping mechanism at the top, right? And it is really just you running away from the problem below, right? So with this clarity, I hope you have that clarity. What are certain actionable steps that you will do to try to understand the problem beneath? Such that you can do a rug pull from the addiction. Hmm. I what think what Kendall said about the detox. Because I think doing a detox, whether it's a social media detox or a chocolate detox or your McFlurry detox. I don't eat all that. It helps you to like then concentrate on what made you crave that in the first place. Mm. What makes you need that in the first place. And then find other ways or experiment. Uh, with different ways on how you can still meet that need without going back to what you're comfortable with. Mm. Fair, fair point. Mm. And if after today I get a McDonald's sponsorship, then kudos to all of you. Huh? But yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I feel like uh, I, I also believe that just having a, a, a practice of abstinence will just help me see what kind of reactions come out. Uh, but more importantly, I feel like because when the addictive process has started, there's the isolation, there's the disconnection that comes out. So it's really finding ways to connect with others mm -hmm. so that they can be 
they can be my eyes. They can be mm. checking my blind spots. And and these are not just ordinary people. We, these are people which I know genuinely have my best interests at heart and they want the best for me. And so at times when I'm wondering whether I should trust my brain or not, at least I can mm. trust these people yes. because mm. um, I think I, I put my trust in them. Mm. So learning how to connect with people and, and ask for help because usually when the addictive process is there, uh, yeah, is is my problem. I'll I'll make sure I sort out myself. Then I go make friends. <laughs> or you I go you trust my friends. your producer. You should let them do the big <laughs> Then do they can own. see. They oh, yeah, yeah. This is the email of your yeah. Mac No, no. But but <laughs> I I I want to add to that right because I have a bunch of friends. They are not connected. They are separated, right? But there's a bunch of people that knows a lot about me, and is the information gets stacked over time. Right and and eventually only the few of them will fully understand because the backstory is too much already to tell to the next person. So it must I must be very invested to the next person. And these people right are the people that will keep me you know accountable, accountable and in check. Say hey you know recently you've been doing this blah blah. blah. Do you so realize you know yeah yeah hey he chew me for dessert again <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, so the so people yeah. that they really know yeah, yeah. what's going on don't have. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna get a McDonald's ad. Uh, last, last thing. No, I mean, like, I don't know whether I can add much to that, man. That, that, that's actually really like uh, it's uh, having people around to hold you accountable and have your best interests your, your circle. When you can't, when you are not sure whether you can trust yourself, is definitely mm. what uh, you know. But I guess for me, it's uh, it's a bit later on in the cycle because I mean, like, I I've been, you know, it's been it's been a while, uh, you know. So I I think I can understand my my addiction quite well from both like a physiological mm. and psychological thing. Right now, it's just a question of the you know, I, I guess coming to terms with some things, having some humility in the sense that like, because on one on some days, I just tell myself that actually, what's wrong with nicotine addiction? Uh, honestly, like, you know, if it's just a mode of delivery, then what's wrong with it? And on some days, I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, you know, like, what do you like being addicted to this? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And then like, sometimes like, I'm the kind of person that the more public comms that I, that I get, that they don't make sense to me, right? Like, you know, like, I feel just, I need to rebel against that. It's like, that 14 year old boy has never left this body, <laughs> you know, even though I'm like, you know, almost 40 already, <laughs> you know? So I think that to me, there's, there's more of like uh, one of those things that I think that I, I have to kind of come to terms with. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, and that's also why I kind of ask those questions about whether, yeah. you know, it's possible to have your cake and eat it, manage certain addictions. <laughs> right. Cause that's kind of like what I'm, what I'm going through. Like, you know, is it, is it possible to, yeah. And, yeah. and and this is such an interesting ending because I know people that essentially it's, it's not uncommon but internally you have multiple personality that breaks up as a result of it and then one side is judging the other side it's damn interesting yeah. and yes. then we can it's a precursor of like bipolar and all those things right so so we can talk about that if if this thing blows oh. up we'll talk more about it but but uh yeah at the end of the day I think it's about finding the life you love lah, right and learning how to work with yourself work with your mind what triggers you what works with you what environment are you what problems are you facing I think it's all a big part of uh, living a life you love okay thank you guys right, thank you for having, having us on so this awesome show. this ending <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.